I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. With dear friends, on this beautiful occasion of our uh, first Holy Communion, uh, this is not only an occasion for our children making the first Holy Communion, but also uh, a beautiful occasion for all of us to renew our devotion uh, to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And this, this great uh, gift, this great uh, treasure that we are given is so great that it's in some ways... Um, hard even to comprehend that our Lord would become uh, flesh for, uh, for us in a hidden form uh, of the Blessed Sacrament. And speaking of this great mystery, St. Augustine says that even if God wanted to, he could not give us anything greater than this great gift of himself in the Blessed Sacrament. He says that he has given heaven, he has given earth, he has given his kingdom, he has given himself. What more has he then to give? Oh my God, how prodigal thou art in giving of thyself. How generous, how uh, incomprehensible is this reality that's in our midst. And in speaking on this, St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas says this, this Eucharist, this reality of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is the sacrament of his love for us, the love of God towards us. It signifies love and it produces love. It is the consummation of the whole spiritual life. In fact, elsewhere in his writing, St. Thomas Aquinas points out that all the other sacraments were instituted for this one sacrament. They all point to and are there to lead us closer to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, which is a preparation for his way to lead us from this life into the life to come. The most beautiful words, I think, ever written... Uh, in this life on the Blessed Sacrament written by, I think, Pope uh, Urban IV in uh, his institution of the Feast of uh, Corpus Christi. And in there he says to us, reminding us of this great mystery, he says, O sublime and admirable liberality in which the giver is the gift and the gift is the very one who gives. O unexampled liberality by which he gives himself. Our God has given himself to be our food because man, condemned to death as he is, can be restored to life by only this means, only by means of the Blessed Sacrament. O substantial food which perfectly satisfies and truly nourishes not the body but the heart, not the flesh but the soul. Our compassionate Redeemer, who knew that man needed spiritual nourishment, had in this institution of charity and mercy prepared a he is sold uh, the most precious and most uh, nourishing food that his wisdom could devise. Neither could any work have been better befitting the divine uh, generosity and charity than the eternal word of God, who is the real food of the reasonable creature, should after having made flesh give himself to be flesh and blood, that is to say, to help nourish us. This is, we can say, our God. But the hard thing is for us, like when our Lord came, he came in Bethlehem and a form of a child, hidden. He lived a life with his apostles, with his blessed virgin mother and Saint Joseph, a hidden life. Even in his public ministry, uh, he appeared like us. He ate and drank like us. Hidden God. On Calvary, crucified a hidden God. And now in the Blessed Sacrament, a hidden God. But for all that, let us never forget, let us never forget, for all that, 
no less a powerful a God. And I think because our Lord is, is a hidden God, uh, he has been trampled underfoot by so many. Uh, the ingratitude of so many Catholics, the offence committed by so many churches today or so-called churches against our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament today uh, because he is a hidden God. And this is a common mistake we see all around, you know. And I often, and as I get older now, I start to correct this in people that uh, uh, they, they take your kindness, your politeness, your generosity, your patience, your understanding for weakness. And often I have to correct them and remind them that uh, sorry, I think you, there's a big misunderstanding here. What's the misunderstanding? That you've forgotten that we are Catholics. We, we fear nothing and nobody. We are children of the saints. And what's your point? My point is, unless you uh, uh, correct your attitude uh, in your behavior, your demeanor, your, your violent uh, uh, tone, uh, you might live to regret it. Um, and people often might back off at that point because they fear men. If we fear men, how much more we do ought to fear God? Just because he is a hidden God, uh, we ought nevertheless uh, to ne- make the mistake of thinking that he is less powerful because he is hidden. And this is the reality for us. The saints of the past, even the, the, one of the greatest uh, 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 war generals who went throughout the world, literally destroying one town after the other, Attila the Hun, when he got to Rome, the age-old uh, Pope Leo the Great went out to meet him, confident in the power of our Lord to assist him. And at that point, Attila the Hun was turned back, turned back because of this man who was uh, convinced of the power of God against his enemies. This poor old man, Pope, but confident that because our God is a hidden God, we ought not deceive ourselves in the power of this God. Attila the Hun was turned back. Let us have confidence in this, this God who is, while one hand he is a hidden God, nevertheless uh, not less powerful. In the year around 742, there was a bishop of Jerusalem, uh, Bishop uh, Samosa. Uh, this bishop uh, was, again, another man confident in our Lord, in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, one day... Some young Mohammedans, they came to make a mockery of him. And it's amazing to see his wisdom and his confidence in the uh, response he gives to these Mohammedans. One, one man came and said to him, How is it possible for bread and wine to become the body and the blood of Christ? Said this, this Mohammedan to this bishop. The bishop said, Well, hmm. You have grown since you were a child and have more flesh and blood than you had then. If your body can change food and drink into flesh and blood, then surely God can do it also. But another one uh, then retorted to him, How is it possible for Christ to be entirely present in this one small host? The bishop then looked up at the sky and at the great city of Jerusalem before him, And he replied, The landscape uh, with the heavens above it is something very large, while your eye is something very small, yet your tiny eye contains in itself the whole big picture. Why should it be impossible for Christ to be present entirely in a little piece of bread? Then another one of the Mohammedans asked, 
How is it possible for the same body of Christ to be present in all your churches all at the same time? And the bishop answered, Well, in a large mirror, your image is reflected but once. When you break the mirror into a hundred pieces, you see the same image of yourself in each of the hundred fragments, don't you? Then why should it be impossible for the body of Christ to be present in many places at once? To God, nothing is impossible. Very simple response, very profound response that anyone can understand, and yet uh, really to the point. In being able to address uh, these attackers, uh, but as St. Thomas Aquinas says, to those that believe, no, uh, no explanation is necessary. To those that don't believe, well, no explanation is possible. Because here we are confronted with a divine mystery uh, of our Lord hidden under the appearance of bread and wine. Much like our Lord was hidden uh, when he was on earth in the appearance of a man, a true man and true God. Uh, if you did a scientific test, you would have seen man. You can't do a scientific test of God. But our faith tells us our Lord is true God and true man, and in the Blessed Sacrament, true God, true man. So wondrous is this gift uh, that, as the book of Proverbs points out, God, God loves to dwell with the children of men. That is the delight of God. So much so, Solomon points out that God, uh, thou didst feed your people with the food of angels and gavest them the bread from heaven prepared without labor, having in it all that is delicious and the sweetness of every taste. And this is what the Blessed Sacrament does for us. It fills us with grace, with strength, with wisdom, with understanding, fortitude and courage. And this is why it is St. John Chrysostom that points out, that says that sin makes us weak. Why? Because we're given in to our passions. But strengthened by our Lord, His grace in the Blessed Sacrament, we are made strong. We are made confident. We are made bold against all the attacks, spiritual, temporal, physical, whatever they may be. Our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is our strength. And all the more it is important in our time to make reparation for the sins committed against our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, all the more it is important for us to give the reverence, the homage, the honour due to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So many people don't profit, profit from their communions because they don't make an effort to strive, says Don Bosco, to overcome their faults. Perhaps in our Thanksgiving we can ask our Lord to help us not only in spiritual means, but in real practical means. How do I overcome this fault and give me the grace to take practical uh, resolutions that we grow in this grace? You know that uh, well-known uh, army general, Napoleon. Napoleon was asked one day, what was the greatest day of your life? And they were asked, expecting him to say on the day that he conquered this or that place. And pausing and reflecting, he said, the greatest day of my life was the day of my first Holy Communion. I was truly happy then. And this day is a day that leads us to eternal happiness. I remember a, a, a devout parishioner of, of mine 
in his 80s, would come to Mass serving every day. And he said to me, Father, I was an orphan when I was a young boy, brought up by the religious. And he said to me the same thing, that the most happiest day of my life was the day of my first Holy Communion. And yet, Allah, don't doubt that along the way in his life, he strayed, he erred, probably became very uh, materialistic, very secular, very worldly. But that first day of his first Holy Communion never left him. And it was that which brought him back to his senses, back to the ancient faith, the ancient Mass. The last few years of his life, a great assistant in the parish, a great daily communicant, daily serving at Mass uh, to the day he parted this life, rich in, in treasure and in merit uh, for the good works he did, but also in living out the reality of his Holy Communion. And this is what our Lord expects of us. He expects of us to live out our Holy Communion. Pope Pius XII said, the Catholic should be a happy person. And he explains why. He says, because no one can take our God away from us. No one can take our God away from us excepting ourselves by sin. And if we have God in us, then what should sadden us? What should grieve us? Who can be against us? And it's, it's this confidence by which we speak, as I said, to, to those who are uh, unruly, uh, living bad lives or doing the wrong thing. We speak with this confidence because we have our Lord uh, with us. You know, sometimes a child might be afraid of bad dreams or uh, some, something that's frightened them. And we can be the same. We are often afraid of something or someone. And yet, we ought never to be afraid of anything or anyone if we have our Lord with us, if we are filled with the grace of God. It gives us a certain boldness, confidence, daringness. This was the courage of the saints, the confessors, the martyrs, because they had our Lord in their hearts, in their mind, in their soul. This is why our Lord has accommodated himself in a very mysterious way, which no, no theologian, no great mind will ever be able to explain very properly. That is, our Lord comes in a way that's hidden, and yet it is true. Uh, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, earthly food, when we eat it, rightly pointed out that bishop, when we eat it, it becomes a part of us. But when we eat this, this uh, bread, this uh, uh, Holy Eucharist, we become a part of our Lord. It's not a nourishment for the body, it's a nourishment for the soul. And again, this is something that is not easy for us to comprehend. And so we can often uh, mistake it for something insignificant. And yet it is the greatest reality we have on the, this side of eternity, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And this is why all the beautiful ceremonies of the Mass are there to surround it. And in the past... Uh, not only did we have all the beautiful ceremonies, but then we had all the beautiful uh, furnishings of the church, uh, giving everything for our Lord who has given us everything. There's nothing he has spared for us, and likewise, there's nothing we ought to spare uh, for him. And this communion is for us then. It is what St. Thomas Aquinas says, is a pledge of eternal life. What we taste here below is a preparation to lead us to eternal life. Our Lord has given us so he can make cling to him now. And in this life we are going to have we're going to have trials. We're going to have temptations. Uh, we are going to have uh, difficulties. But for this we have our Lord. And this is why St. Dominic Savio 
when he made his first communion, he made a, a few simple but very profound resolutions, which we can all we can all take on board with ourselves. First, he says, I will go to confession and communion often. And today we go as often as we reasonably can. But confession, we should at least go at least once a month if we are living a good uh, Catholic life and if we are not as often as we need. Uh, we ought not to uh, uh, refrain from making use of this powerful means to help us in healing the wounds of our soul. It is a great remedy, a great power. But uh, uh, if we are living a good life, once a month uh, confession is sufficient. Communion as often as we reasonably can. Confession, communion is not a reward for those who are good. It is a blessing for those in need of our Lord's help. Much like earthly food. Earthly food is not a reward because you're being good. It is a nourishment for your body because it's a necessity for life. So it's in the spiritual order. Without me, our Lord says, you can do nothing. Unless you eat of this body and drink of this blood, our Lord says, you will not have life within you. And that's, again, something hard for us to comprehend. What does he mean? Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will have no life within you. Our Lord is very blunt on those words, very stern. Uh, he's saying it's so essential for our spiritual life. Otherwise, our soul will spiritually wither away, die. Uh, hard for us to comprehend. And so you can see why so many have made little of this great treasure in our midst. It says, I will keep the feast days holy. Keeping the feast days holy means to know and honour and reverence the saints, our companions, who like us suffered, who are like us were tried, were tempted, had difficulties to endure. But knowing their example is an encouragement and honouring them, respecting them, reverencing them, promoting them, making them known, wins us many graces, many blessings in this life. Uh, it's a great uh, help and assistance to us. The saints are going to be an assistance to us in this life. In the next life, there's no more assistance. The life is over. So we honour them and respect them. We turn to them with confidence and encouragement uh, and never fearing that uh, they will assist us. We have a great army at our side. He says then, I will make Jesus and Mary my friends. And you know, this statement, it sounds very pious, but I think it's very often misunderstood. You know, friends, they know each other, they love each other, they look out for each other, they are concerned for each other, they take interest in each other. Jesus and Mary like that should be for us. We, we are, you know, when you're away from your friend, you're thinking to yourself, well, uh, how is my friend doing? Maybe I should give him a call. I want to see how they're doing. Uh, well, should be like that with us in relation to our Lord. How is our Lord doing? What does our Lord uh, think? How does he see things? Talk to them. Make them part of your daily life in real time, not just uh, when you're praying your prayers. Uh, they know what you're doing. They know what, what you're suffering. Invite them into your situation. Make them part of your daily life such that our friendship is something real, not just something when we have to pray our prayers or something real. This must be for us. Jesus and Mary must be our best friends in this life. And Jesus and Mary, it's a family. It's a package deal in the Catholic Church. The saints are part of our family, all of them. And we want to befriend them. We want to make them enter into every part of our life, our guardian angels, all these great uh, helpers that God has given to us. And they will teach us. 
how to profit from Holy Communion, how to grow in grace, how to remove the obstacles. And his final resolution, it seems like an figment of our imagination today. He said, I choose death rather than sin. And this is very hard for us today because we are mentally and spiritually weak. Today, we think it normal to go through the world, our life, where there's no reference to God. That's insane. And until, the, until you, you grasp the point that that is insane, you are truly not, a, you're not really a Catholic. You're a pagan with a Catholic label. And most people, um, most of the time, the other day I had to say to a friend, I, I hate to say it, but I think your spouse is just a pagan who comes to Mass. A lot of people, their spouses, their parents, their children, who are just pagans who come to Mass with a band-aid, a Christian band-aid, somehow. Uh, they haven't made the faith a profound reality in their life. Death rather than sin sounds like a fable. But St. Dominic Savia, I think who died at the age of 12, lived that reality. And if he could live that, why cannot we? It's often perhaps because we choose not to. But death rather than sin... And, you know, dear friends, I just want to conclude to you uh, beautiful words of the post-communion prayer of today's Mass, which is so fitting for our occasion of the First Communions today. And it is these beautiful words of the liturgy itself. We have been seeking the food of immortality and implore you, O Lord, that with its savour still on our tongues we may with pure hearts continue to pursue it. And the Father and the Son... Holy Ghost. Amen.